You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. On, based on a dream I had during the week, and I was just reminded of it, and that's how the whole thing came about yesterday. So, I think it was about on, on Monday night, I had this dream that Mark and I were invited to a dinner. And, um, and it was, a, it was like in, a, in a banquet hall. And there were these big round tables and there were all these people seated and having the dinner. And, but, but I was very aware that the curtains were closed and it was very, very dark in this room and mark was standing in the corner and i was seated on the side there and i noticed as well there wasn't very much food but we were invited to a banquet so each round table i then noticed was actually representing a sphere of influence one of the mountains one of the seven mountains so those of you who aren't quite a phase so the seven mountains are um Religion, family, education, government, media, arts and entertainment, and business. And each round table had this tiny little candle, this little bit of food, and the sphere of influence was sitting around there. But because it was so dark, you would knock a glass over. You would like grab some food and mess. And it was just really not pleasant. And I got up and I opened the curtains and this massive light, just blinding light came through. And in that instant, people would look at each other, they would look at Mark and they would run and close the curtains again. And they would like continue with this knocking stuff over, fumbling around, like dysfunctionally connecting and trying to have this dinner together. And I just thought to myself, but this isn't right. And I got up and I flung the curtains open and it wasn't easy to do. They were thick and heavy velvet curtains. And I flung these curtains open again and this light came through again. And I woke up. And for me, I don't really dream often, but when I do, and if it stays with me, I start asking what was that about so a few days later i started saying to the lord what was that about and i just heard these words and i heard the holy spirit saying that he's exposing the orphan spirit and if we do not come into the manifestational revelational knowing of our sonship we will not be discipling but we will be gathering more orphans for the orphanage and I kept on saying, but then I'm not quite understanding why was Mark in the dream? And why were they looking at Mark and then feeling shame and closing the curtains? And I was reminded of when Mark's dad passed away and the inheritance was stolen by a third party. And Mark was the executor of the estate and we fought. And Mark had a prophetic word that we as a family, there's three siblings, and as a family, we are going to go after what is, what is rightfully theirs, their inheritance. And it was a battle and eventually it went to court. And I mean, this was costing. It's lawyers. It's, it, was a, it was a big thing. But Mark had a conviction in his heart. He's going to fight for what is his. 
and eventually after months and after many many invoices from the lawyers he eventually came to me and he said can i not go on behalf of the family into the courts of heaven and legislate for the inheritance to be released and i said sure and i went and i started praying and the lord clearly said to me an orphan cannot ask for inheritance so i went back to mark and i said to him i said we can do this i said but you have business to do with the father and as the executor of the estate he could go on behalf of his brother and sister and do business with the lord and he went and he went through a process with the father and where the father highlighted areas in his life that needed dealing shifting changing he dealt with it and he came back to me a while later and he said let's do it and we could go and we could legislate on behalf of the family and within days the money was released so the whole thing of mark standing there in the room and the emphasis being on him the lord was highlighting to me again that we have these seven mountains of influence run by orphans and they saw a son and they actually didn't know what to do with themselves and it was that and then with seeing a son standing in a room they realize they're fighting over scraps they, they're looking at the minuscule amounts of food and they're fighting for the scraps on the table and they were standing in the hiddenness of the candlelight they didn't want the exposure of the dysfunctionality and and the holy spirit is coming with light and love of the father and exposing areas in our lives where we are under the influence of a lie and think and believe that we are orphans and I really, so we're going to do a bit of work this morning. So you're going to sit comfortably. You're going to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask some questions. And you're going to be honest with yourself. And if you answer yes to any of the questions, just keep it there. And just, just soak and just relax in the love of the Father this morning. Do I make choices out of insecurities? Am I jealous of other people's success? Do I try to earn God's love with works? Do I self-protect by drawing inward? Do I feel unworthy? not good enough do i feel void a void and try to fulfill it with work physical appearance self-gratification narcissistic behavior or self-indulgent behavior am i driven to success and have the mindset that you will succeed at all cost do I use people to fulfill my goals? Do I struggle with anger and fits of rage? Do I always compete with others? Do I lack self-esteem? Is my identity in possessions, physical appearance, activities or work? You see, many of us are actually so unaware that we are functioning or behaving with an orphan mindset 
An orphan mindset will limit our capacity to understand our identity and our purpose. We won't maximize or be able to maximize all that God has for us in His kingdom purpose. Some differences between an orphan heart and the heart of a son. The orphan will see God as master. The son will see God as a loving father. An orphan is independent and self-reliant. The son is independent but acknowledges need. And this is a big one for me. This one I felt the Holy Spirit ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. I'm the type of person that will work myself to death before asking for help because I don't want to seem weak. Are we insecure and lack peace or do we work in rest and have peace? <coughs> do we strive for the praise and approval of man or totally accepted in God's love and justified by grace? I love that saying, I'll do anything for the audience of one until you have the audience of one and the thing on the inside comes because you want the approval of man do we live in bondage or liberty and the list goes on the list on orphan and son mindset is extremely long and i've had a lot of people come to me and have a lot of success in bringing freedom in this area but if you answered yes to any of those questions or you identified with any of those examples, the point of this morning is not to make you feel ashamed or lacking or a heavy placed upon you. But I feel that the Father is here and like even this morning, Jeff and Ash, it was so great. Like the, the whole atmosphere of just allowing His Spirit to come in just to rest on us. And for me, it could be a thing in my own head. But whenever we sing that song, um, Rest on Us, I always hear Restore Us. I don't hear Rest on Us, I Restore Us. But that's what He does by His presence, is He restores us. And He's coming this morning to restore us and to bring His love and encounter His love to bring healing like never before. And two words always resonate with me and keep on resonating with me and I just love them and the one is position and the other one is perspective because your perspective determines your position and because what you look at will always give you governance over your life and he's wanting to break that illegitimate identity of an orphan that has come in through brokenness wrong mindset and the stronghold of an orphan spirit is being exposed and dealt with. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. We see at the very core of the commission that Stuart has been massaging into the church's relationship with the Father. Mm -hmm. 
through the sun and us. But if our value system and our belief system is one of any of the above examples and questions that we had, our demonstration and our behavior will be filtered through that lens. And the representation of the gospel will be reduced to our level of experience and not the fullness of what it is. So when I was grappling with this, and I said to the Lord, I said, Stu's been doing really nice preachers and everyone's really enjoyed his preachers. Do I now have to come with the hard work? And the, and the Holy Spirit said to me, said, if we do not tackle this at the root and pull it out from every single one of us, we will be limping through the fullness of the gospel of what he's wanting to release through us. And the Lord has said, and he has spoken words of increase, growth, miracles, breakthrough. But due to the confinement of our environment and partnering with an orphan mindset, we have limited his vision to match our perspective. So even in that, with the Great Commission, we have stood and we have said, yes, we will go and preach the gospel and we will go and heal the sick and we will cast our demons. And then we pray for somebody because that's what we're going to do and that's what the, we want him to do. And when they aren't healed, I think the Lord's teaching you something. We default to our perspective. We default to our behaviors. We default to our belief systems. Romans 8, 14 to 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation... But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. I'm going to pause there. And so there is, what did you have to do? What were the instructions given to receive this? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It has been given freely. On the cross, when Jesus died and he made a way and the spirit was released for us to become sons, so that we by him we cry abba father nothing we do it is by him that we cry abba father the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are god's children i think one of the biggest deceptions the enemy has brought in is that we have to work to be accepted we have to work to be loved we have to work to be effective and accepted by God now if we are children then we are heirs again it's, it's really quite simple heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory and if that wasn't convincing enough Galatians 4 4 to 7 
But when the set time fully came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Not that we can apply, not that we can do, but that we might receive. Who battles to receive a gift? Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. Looking at that, so when Jesus spoke to his disciples, so I'm going to use it in, in another other language, and he's standing there and he's saying, I'm going, I'm releasing you, and as a co-heir, go and do, and be part of the inheritance. Okay, when Mark's dad's inheritance came through, we didn't look at it and say, we're not going to take it and put it in a bank account and left it there. Mark didn't say, that's not mine. I'm not going to take it and left it in the bank account. We fought for what was ours. The family received the inheritance and then partook of the inheritance and administered the inheritance for what it was needed for and what we used it for but so many of us have this mindset that even as co-heirs of Christ we do not withdraw from the inheritance which is rightfully ours God has made you an heir Psalm 68 5 to 6 to the fatherless he is a father to the widow he is a champion friend to the lonely he makes them part of a family and one of the things i felt so strongly last night as i was praying is he wants to break loneliness this morning and i'm gonna put if you are in that place stand and i'm standing you know that i have gone through certain things that even mark hasn't understood it's lonely isolation of COVID. it's lonely difference it's we've been lonely and the father is wanting to bring break off loneliness so if you in that place just stand and i'm just going to pray i was i'll just pray for myself <laughs> now stand father we just come this morning and we just fling wide open our hearts and I pray, Father, that we just thank you that your word says that you are a champion friend to the lonely and you make us part of a family. So, Father, I just pray for each person that is standing and I just pray that they would experience the love of the Father to flood them where the enemy has come in and there's even been like a an attack of a spirit of loneliness I just break that assignment of the enemy now in the name of Jesus so that you will have the freedom to see 
relationship and family. So Father, we just thank you for your comfort over each person standing. And we pray that you just draw them in by your spirit into love and acceptance. In Jesus' name, thank you. Ephesians 1, 5 to 6. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love. For he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. How many of us compare ourselves to others? Mark and Candace have favor. Jeff and Ash have favor. Who believes the Bible is true? Jesus has for us and this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. The same love he has for his beloved one Jesus, he has for us. God has no favorites when it comes to the outpouring of his love and his favor. Mark 16, 15 to 18. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Love that scripture. Quick question. This passage seems to have a tremendous amount of going and doing. And as I was reading this last night, and as, as, as that phrase came to me, going and doing, going and doing, I was reminded of the story I shared about Moses with our group at, at around the table. And we see from Exodus 3 that from the very first encounter, that God has with Moses at the burning bush. He gives Moses a commission. Go and do. And there's this, this interaction between Moses and God. And it's a long one because God says, go and do this and I'm going to be with you. And Moses goes, that's great, but. And Moses and God's again, go and do. And Mo so there's this whole interaction of the going and the but. And in Exodus 3.10, Moses says to God, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Because he had to go and he had to speak to Pharaoh. He had to then be a leader and speak to the people. So he went to God and he said, I understand the plan, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. And in verse 12, God says, Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth. And teach you what you shall say. So you have a bush consumed by the presence of God. You have God Almighty telling you that if you go, 
I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what to say. And Varachis, he still says, no. How about Aaron? And in God's grace and his mercy, he says, okay, you can bring Aaron along. We'll throw him in the equation as well. And we see that obviously Moses has his rod, which speaks of authority. But if we carry on reading the story and the journey of the Israelites, and it takes us to Numbers, because we're now into this journey a few years, in Numbers 20, we see from verse 7 to 11. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water from out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and the animals. So Moses took the rod from the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and he said to them, Here now you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod and water came out abundantly and the congregation and the animals drank and we all know the story and we know that from this that Moses lost his inheritance from entering into the promised land and it's the very issue of his mouth that he was not prepared to deal with at the bush lost him his inheritance at the rock and the Lord's actually saying to us, it's like pointing out like the, the things that you said yes to in those questions. The moment you identified with those phrases, let's deal with them. Bring them before the Lord and deal with them. Because you see, God had been with Moses and Aaron and the Israelites. They had been fed. They, they had a cloud in the day. They weren't even sunburnt. They had a fire at night. So they had light. They had fresh manna every single day. They, this wasn't the first time that water came out the rock. They had seen God's hand. They had seen God's provision over and over and over. So in my mind, I'm thinking, but then surely each time Moses has more confidence to trust in what God had said to speak to something.
just take a moment just close your eyes open your hands it's really it's just a it's a posturing of surrender to the father and we say come holy spirit come jesus come father even in that of the saying of the come we know that you dwell within us and we are within you but this morning i pray for a manifestation of your love to break down the stronghold and the lie the enemy has placed over us that we are orphans that we are undeserving that we have no right as heirs where your word has clearly said that we are co-heirs in christ so father i come this morning father and over this household father i want to break every lie that has been established over our minds that we cannot fulfill the great commission that we cannot go and make disciples that we can that we have nothing to give because i lack we break that now in the name of jesus because in the father's house there is provision in the father's house there is no lack in the father's house there is abundance we don't have to scrap for the food on the table which is little there is an abundance of the father father change our mindset and our language to align to that which is kingdom language language of a beloved son father i come this morning and i break off the fear of man of each and every one of us to want to boldly pray because it might not happen for me if mark prays that prayer it's going to work We break that spirit of comparison which has diminished our faith down to our level of insecurity. We break it now in the name of Jesus. And I speak to every single one of you and I say rise up, rise up as co-heirs of Christ. When Jesus gave that commission, he had each and every one of us in mind, not just a few. That instruction to go and heal the sick was for each and every one of us, not just the Sozo team. And I'm wanting a bold faith to rise up with each and every one of us that yes, even though Russia has invaded Ukraine, I as a son of God decree peace over that nation. As a son of God, I decree stability into that government now in the name of Jesus. And as a son, we come together and we decree healing over Nantu's sister this morning now in the name of Jesus. Because it is her portion to be healed. And we decree healing over Anne in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I am 
over and over and over I've been reminded of that story of Peter where he walks at the gate and the beggar is sitting there and the beggar is begging for alms and Peter looks at them and he says silver and gold I do not have but what I do have I give you get up and walk and he went running and leaping and jumping when will we see what we have what do we have and we have a right to have it we have a right it is your right to ask God big prayers it is your right to have faith which thinks impossible It is your right to have a dream that seems bigger than anything. It is your right. It is your inheritance. Thank you for listening. 